Welcome to Titanic Reaction. I'm Tony Mangus. Be aware, these are real stories. Well, most of them are. They will contain tales of alcohol, drugs, sex, extreme violence, and language Mary Whitehouse would not approve of. Take caution when listening. Welcome back to round two of the epoxies. Jesse couldn't make it back, but Roxy and I had more to talk about. Her being a woman in rock, her connection to the restarts, which was a surprise and shocked the hell out of me, and meeting Joan Jett. What's some stuff that you had to deal with being a woman in a band that the men didn't? Yeah, it, it's so not an easy answer. I think the traditional answer is sexism. Um, whether or not there were people hitting on me, my, my safety. But I think I've had it, it. I recently, well, not too recently, a few years back while I went back to school, I had an interesting conversation with someone. Where I went, there was a lot of international students and some of the men were from cultures where women are definitely not equals to men. Not saying that that's the case in the U.S. It's more subtle in a lot of circles. But I had a really interesting conversation with someone. It was a class behind mine where I was hearing that a lot of the women were being talked over or disregarded or, or blatantly disregarded, basically told that their opinion didn't matter and it wasn't going to be part of the input. And I heard that a couple of the women in my class were also having that issues with some of the groups that we work with. And what I found interesting is I didn't necessarily have that same experience. And we, the person I was conversing with, were kind of comparing me. I'm, I'm above average height for a woman. I'm five nine. Um, I care. I. I've always kind of carried myself as uh, pretty gender neutral. I'm not especially feminine. Um, I have the benefit that I fall into for a lot of people's perception of what is attractive. Um, but I'm, I, it's my height, the way I speak, my voice is lower than a lot of women's. Um, and then a level of attractiveness is kind of a, a buffer where I might be listened to because I'm straightforward, because I grew up around here and I'm straightforward, because I've never been an especially girly girl since I was a kid, versus some of these other women who I was hearing were having these problems fell more into what we traditionally think of as feminine. And if some of these men who weren't listening to them definitely fall into masculine, then that would be a clash. And these women felt unheard. Now, in terms of being in a band, um, a lot, a lot younger, I mean, yeah, I'm doing okay for 47, but the band started when I was 27 and peak sexuality or whatever. And, and I consciously knew I didn't want to play that down, but I wasn't playing it up. It was, it was there, but it wasn't a, Ooh, look at, look at me being sexy. It's, it was just an androgynous thing. 
and creating that character that was a conscious thing. Initially, even the character was created to be standoffish and robotic, but as we started getting bigger and people wanted to, people want to interact with the singer, you know that. Yeah. And they connect first with the singer. I realized that I couldn't do that because it would alienate people, whatever they're projecting onto someone who's in front of them that they don't know. They need something from you. And if you're going to be standoffish, they're going to take that personally. I might be veering away from the, the female question, but. And I was about to say that women might get latched onto more, but that's not true. It, it's whatever is put in front of them and whoever just they connect, a person connects to. But you know, I, I, there's only a couple times that I ever felt in danger as, as a woman and the the rest of the band were very brotherly in that sense and would notice and have my back. In addition to Epoxies being my first band, it was also my first exposure to songwriting or even attempting at any of that sort of creative input. And I'm one who, I want to be full in. I want to learn it all. So yes, I'm going to challenge myself to not be so shy anymore. And I'm going to push myself to create this character and I'm going to push myself because the the need of this the, the want the concept of this band is to be the fuck out there nothing no holds barred but um I also wanted to try songwriting and so in terms of being new at that and insecure at that and universally amongst all five of us I, I think this feeling for each of us individually is what ended up being our downfall. But for me, I felt unsupported a lot of the time with the songs that I would bring to the band. And um, I, I think we all started getting reacted, reactive to you know, other people digging into something that they started and brought to the table. And I would often hear that's not an epoxy song. And you know, oftentimes that was correct. And, um, but it was hard for me to understand that without having the support. And, you know, maybe we're getting back into like earlier life psychology or whatever. But at that time, I'd fight, fight back. And that was unhealthy and that was unhealthy for the band. And some of the other people would bring songs and it wasn't universally liked. And we started kind of headbutting. And I don't know if that was a, a me being a woman plus being a new songwriter amongst a group of men who had that track record behind them. So it was hard for me to differentiate there. Brian, I have graphic art background, but Brian's again, kind of a genius with contraptions and concepts. And he did all the artwork or most of the artwork for all the covers. And you, those are brilliant covers. Yeah. So he was the right guy for them. But then also, I, I wanted something that I could feel was mine. And I do know one of them said to me once, maybe you should focus on just being a performer. And that's to me, I found very discour discouraging and, and pretty insulting. And at the time was reactive to that. Now I'd hopefully be able to back off and say like, ah, 
this is what's going on and this is what's causing problems. I don't want to just be a performer, but, and I know a lot of what I'm bringing, some of the songs I know are just bad, <laughs> but I'm forcing them just because I want to be listened to. And I, I feel like within the band, that was the biggest issue. Other than that, I was well respected for what I was able to do as a singer and as a performer. And we were definitely the five of us together. But I know I was appreciated for what I was bringing to the table and how that was helping to push us forward. The, the other thing women get to deal with is we, it's women versus men and the quiet, the quieter sexism that we have now. That was another interesting discussion I had during school. It was during a class that, oh, I don't think women really are an equal in the workforce anymore. I mean, that's not a problem. So we'll think about the quiet things that you say to a little girl versus a little boy, and it starts from there. You meet a little girl and you're like, oh, princess, you look so pretty. And versus a little boy, you say, hey, buddy, hey, big man. And it's just those subtleties throughout our lives that are harmless because you don't notice them, but extraordinarily harmful. On the other side of things, there's women versus women, where in a way we're programmed to work against each other. And my friend Jenny here that I've mentioned a few times, we met because her, her now husband set up a show, our first show in Providence, so it was Epoxy's playing with her band, Midnight Creeps, another band, four or five oh. with her fronting. Oh, you know Midnight Creeps? Yeah, yeah. Jenny's one of my best friends, Jamie from the Sleazies and Midnight Creeps. If you ever make it back out here, <laughs> come visit. <laughs> they, own, they own the best punk bar in town. But... Oh, yeah, we played with them. The Riffs played with them a few times. But... um. So Jenny and I get into this room with our bands and from afar, she was beautiful and, and physically very present. This is a front woman we're looking at and we're looking at each other from across the room going, oh shit, is this going to be one of those? Is this going to be someone where we pull out the caddy? Because a lot of times that's the story. And I believe we opened for them and she saw us play and was like, holy shit. And then um, you've seen her play. She's, I mean, her, her stage name is Jenny Hurricane for a reason. This deep, soulful, incredible voice and this physicality. And you gotta say something when someone is that sort of a performer, at least I do that holy shit woman that was something else and that's the conversation we had was just this okay we finally meet and we're cool with each other and we're confident in ourselves and we can share this mutual admiration and that's what our friendship now is built on but so you either end up with that or i mentioned earlier playing in buffalo that was the 50 state against me tour. And in the back of the room is some woman just flipping me off. And at the time, my, my reaction is to get aggro back at her. But it's, what is, it? fine, you don't like, it could be, it could be anything. Maybe she just hated her music. That's fine. 
And people react to that by flipping you off versus going, I don't like this band. I'm going to go get another beer or I totally love what they're doing or I appreciate it and I don't like it. And then there's this woman in the back. If it was aimed towards me as a woman on stage as this threat, why? I'm, yes, I'm standing on something that raises me up a little bit, but I'm not any better than you. I'm the the thought of just putting people on pedestals and you either love them or you hate them because they're in front of you doing this thing is just still so stinking bizarre to me. Uh, it, if someone like if if someone is born and is put on the tallest pedestal and they don't poop like every other human, fine, you know we, they they can be a total fuck. But everyone else in in, in this weird ass world doing this, getting to meet people like Joan Jett, who is just so freaking humble, and you know this is just another human being who happens to be looked at by more of humankind than the rest of us. I, I don't get it. What have you said, like you were talking about the more, how sexism has just gotten a little more quiet now. Like, have you seen things from when you, from when the epoxy started until now, what kind of, have things for women gotten better or worse in the underground music scene? Yeah, since I haven't been as active in it and actually gotten to see how it is uh my, my curiosity from 95 from when you moved to portland from like 94 until you became less active you know i i always i myself never felt discounted and i either people were I don't know why anyone would be intimidated by me, but you know, I walk around in my own skin with my own head. So that's just me. So maybe people were intimidated and it didn't come up to me. I, I, I hardly ever got hit on whether in Portland or on the road. I don't know, whatever. That's fine. Um, I, I never, Maybe I wasn't in situations in terms of interacting with promoters or whoever in, in town. I was working with you guys. You never felt anything along those lines from you. What you guys created was always very, very inclusive. And, and the people I interacted with, I, I don't remember anything different. And again, I don't know if it's the way I carry myself that I'm androgynous, that I'm straightforward, no bullshit. I got the East Coast thing. A lot of times people in Portland would be like, oh, you're so blunt. Why are you yelling? I'm like, I'm yelling because I'm excited. <laughs> there was often, it often happens that Portland people being a lot mellower and, and out here being, you know what it is. Um, it was assumed I was angry or yelling or it's just, we're just blunt and our jokes are, are being, we're, we're assholes, but it's our humor. <laughs> and when we get excited, we yell. <laughs> so I don't know if it was, was that with being out on the West coast and being taller and more androgynous where I, I didn't, where I experienced less of it. Um, 
And now my curiosity is to see if and when ageism comes into play. Because I'm 47 now. That's 10 years past women's expiration dates as being worth listening to. Um, I haven't... I haven't really actively been in music. I haven't toured since 2009, so I don't have that experience. So I did that album, uh, The Rebound, toured it a little bit, and then like life fell apart, so I just left it behind. And then I released that album in January 2020, and we know what happened there, so that hasn't been played out at all. So I don't know what's going to happen there, and I'm, I'm very curious about it. I, I am curious if sexist ageism will come into play in music. What'd you learn from Joe Jett? Um, so the fat record thing was really weird in, in terms of how many opportunities it opened up, but I got invited to do this alternative press photo shoot when Mike was doing Rock Against Bush and, and um, Punk Voter. So I'm down there and pull up and there's Joan Jett and uh, Beth from the gossip before she, before she got really big. Um, I mean, she kind of blew up and was like, this is now a fashion icon. And since it was before that we had played with them a couple times and it was Beth Skiba and Jello Biafra and the guy from the offspring and, it just so happened that that blonde woman hanging out on the couch was serving was Sheree Curry. Oh, damn. I, oh, I know. I, I was just like, I, I got to tell Sheree Curry that I, she is one of my favorite voices in rock. Well, well, hanging out with her and Joan Jett and a one-eyed cat in some warehouse in L.A. <laughs> what the fuck am I doing here? But the dir photographer directs me to go sit in a shot I'm next to Joan Jett and Billy Joe Armstrong. And they both lean in and, and Joan's like, hey, I'm Joan. Good to meet you. Oh, hi. Hi, I'm Meredith. And oh, I'm, hi, I'm Billy Joe. <laughs> These guys are... Joan Jett was the second concert I ever saw. Went to go see her open for Deep Purple in 1986 because <laughs> it was fucking Joan Jett. And I saw her when she played La Luna as, as, with the Blackhearts and as Evil Stig with the Gits. And, and then saw at Warp and every single show has been absolutely freaking incredible. And she is so humble and unpresumptuous and does all these amazing things, producing that Bikini Kill album in, in the 1990s, getting involved in that Gits Live thing after... Mia was murdered and working and finding yeah. her, her, her killer. She uh, has Blackheart Records that's put out Girl in a Coma and Faya. If you haven't heard Faya, they're fucking great. I haven't. And um, just this human being. I mean, this is Joan goddamn Jet, but she is so human when you, you meet her. And why shouldn't she be? And that's an example of just, okay, yeah, she stands up on stage sometimes. And then you look at these old photos of her, like, dirt, hanging out with 
Darby Crash or Debbie Harry, and you're just like, what the fuck? And then she's just like, yeah, you know, she's not the person who's on the 20-foot tall pedestal who doesn't poop. <laughs> she's just, she's, she's just Joan Jett. And then, uh, I mean, male example, I mean, Billy Joe, same thing, leaning in, me assuming that I don't know who he is or what he's done. It's just like, okay, yeah, you're totally humble and, and you happen to be in the public eye, but you're a human being. I don't know if we drifted off on like the feminine part of it is, but when it comes down to it, um, yeah, we're people who get up on stage and that doesn't make us any better than anyone else. And I know that's a, 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 a punk rock staple, but human beings and the ego of humankind can't figure out that there, there just shouldn't be the hierarchies. I don't care what your station in life is and I don't care what you do. And that became just, ex, I've always been that way, but it came, became extra important when people were trying to project a need onto me. And I started receiving communications of, whether it's, oh, I love you, or you saved my life with this record, or you saved my life because you interacted with me for 10 minutes at a show in such and such. Um, receiving messages from people who are in transition and that the music helped them through that. <laughs> Holy shit. I mean, how, how, how can I be like the... one of many conduits that help them through this stuff. I'm just another person, but how can I be any so much that your music helped somebody through any of that? Yeah. And I know you've gotten the same sort of messages you have to have. And it's so humbling. And, and that's the payment for any of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And anyone who's just like, oh, my, my music got a little more popular than that band's music, because you consider the amount of bands out there, and then our bands are like the 99th percentile of like getting some attention versus the 0.0001% <laughs> made it huge. And so getting that little bit more attention, we're so lucky. Yeah. Yeah, and then especially- the fact that stemmed from that beautiful time in Portland, of which beautiful times are going to happen everywhere again, um, and are constantly happening. I mean, again, so freaking lucky. Yeah, to and have been able to that's, that's the foundation for my life now. Just you never know how it's going to unfold if you're going to be at the right place or the completely wrong place at the at whatever time and roll with it.
to help some younger girls getting into it, what advice do you have for women wanting to start a band or even to get involved in the music scene? Cause it doesn't have to be a band. Yeah. Um, it's like with everything, just, just hop in. I think actually joining a band that it happened as a fluke. It always sounded cool. And then I made a leap of faith to leave when I had finally landed as my first official like career job, uh, making 50 grand a year in 2002 at the time was huge money. And I left to be a touring goddamn nomad. <laughs> and that was the first Especially thing. Especially at night, you 50 grand in Portland. You oh, yeah. Rich. I was fucking hauling it in. Yeah. My rent was 600 and like 685 for a house like right on 43rd and Hawthorne <laughs> and I moved out to what is now Jesse's bedroom within his bedroom he, he has the whole top floor of his house and there's this tiny little room that had no AC and it was like this big and I moved in there for a hundred bucks a month to tour and I don't regret it because the touring and that decision and that like saying, shouting at the fucking ocean and like running straight into something scary has changed everything. So to, to girls, to anyone starting a band, but girls because unfortunately it's still less natural for them to feel like they're allowed, fucking scream at the ocean and run at what scares the shit out of you. Just do it. I don't care how much it makes your skin crawl. Let the skin crawl. Feel it. Feel your skin crawling and what you don't know. And absorb it. Because you're going to start at zero and you're going to just absorb this information and you're going to find find what you want to do, whether it's promoting them, promoting bands, whether it's Figuring out a way to open the next all-ages venue, which is going to need to happen, or or an instrument. I mean, now especially, we've got so many avenues to teach yourself how to play an instrument, whether it's online, or there's so many of the, the rock and roll school for girls in so many cities now. And if within those avenues, when you're interacting with other girls, if you end up with that caddy against caddy, you know, be the bigger person because there's no goddamn reason it should be that way. I mean, the the history that women have as with minorities and LBGTQ and we're all on our different timelines. We've come from somewhere where we're definitely second class and we still have that. So don't be second class to each other. This bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want to say th I would thank you so much for doing this. No, I've been excited about this for since you brought it up, the discussion and and getting to see your face. <laughs> I, yeah. I last time I saw you was un not under the best circumstances. So just and you know what's really weird is I don't and and this is part of still the 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 
introvert in me is I'm not sure we've ever sat down and had a lengthy conversation, have we? In no, it's years we've known each other. I, I miss out on so many amazing people that I could have overlapped with for years because yeah. I'm a social idiot. <laughs> but I actually don't remember us having a when was the last time we saw you? The last thing I remember, I just ran into you at Fred Meyer's and I was talking about the record that I got from Jesse like the week before. You know what? The last time you and I ran into each other was at Johnny's Memorial. I oh. had in town. You flew in for that. But running into you at Fred Meyer, it was by the front doors, by... Or, by the parking lot and you told me with what I told you about the songwriting issues and and just like the the emotional pull of some of that you telling me that this day was your favorite song on that is something I'll never forget because that was one of the first songs I wrote and that was obviously fleshed out by the guys so beautifully but it was it that song was a struggle and it and it felt discounted until it got worked out. And and even still, I think people, some of the guys in the band don't like it because that was one of those emotional struggle songs. But you telling me what you felt about that song will stick with me for the rest of my life because it was so meaningful to me. Oh, and I didn't even know the story behind it. But when you told me that, I'm like, oh my God, I wrote that song and that and it's been so painful trying to feel okay having creative input. And so I'll never forget that, that interaction. You had no idea, but what is it? Over 15 years since that conversation happened, and it's still, it will always be there. Oh, man. That, uh, yeah, now that song's just playing in my head again. <laughs> So thank you for that. <laughs> no, yes. You're welcome. I think I know you. So glad to meet you. Funny to see you want to spit right in your face. You think you're sex. Oh, wet and pressy. I know you're nothing when the guilt trips off your face. And if you and I are smart, we'll never meet again. I know this feeling. It leaves my insides. I want to fight and fucking bear.
both something else. Uh, you you both really wanted to close close this out with my new world, and <laughs> it's it's definitely an epoxy song, but it's a little bit it's a little bit different. Uh, before we close out, tell me what went into that song. Jesse wrote that, and the funny thing about that song is that's on our the EP that came out of Metropolis, and we never got an, anything else out after that because of the clashing of differences. And so Jesse wrote that all on his own, on his own. He had been writing a lot of really pop punky stuff, which I still like pop punk, but I, I'm someone who likes dissonance and like oddity. And, and, and Jesse's not wired like that. And that's, in retrospect, that's just fine. But he, but that song, he wrote that, and that is dissonance in an oddity. That's especially what they ended up recording with that outro and the howls and, and that screwed up piano. So in terms of him writing it, I can't bring in that experience, but my feelings towards loving that song, it was just... I heard it and it was just like this, this, I love this. This is what I want this band to be. And, and that was it. <laughs> Which sucks because if we could, could have continued down that sort of line and we could have, you know, not been communicating like a old married couple of five who <laughs> just develop bad communication habits. Who knows what could have happened? Yeah, and listening to that song recently, uh, a few times, it's it really fits this moment in time. It really does. It's kind of a soundtrack <laughs> to the last year. It does. I love how Walking Dead's in that too, and like zombies became so big, and, and now we're in the middle of this too. <laughs> we Simpsons at predicting the future, but we did a little bit of it. <laughs> well, here it is. Uh, thank you again so much for doing this. And this is my new world. I don't understand why everyone's so upset about the way things are. I was born here and I love it here. And it seems to me we did ourselves a favor. Old people would shut up about the golden age.
Going faster and faster.